Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Path of Revelation show. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker. And this is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, welcome to the Path of Revelation show, and this is most definitely where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I have a great show ahead for you guys. We're just going to go all the way through. No featured song for this episode, but listen, uh, my heart is full. I have a lot, a lot on my heart that I want to share with you guys. I've been extremely, extremely humbled, extremely humbled by the emails and the messages that I've been getting from you guys, it's, it, it, it does my heart. It does my, now I'm not crying, but seriously, I am serious. It does my heart extremely well to hear the, the, the praise reports and just the feedback from you guys to hear how this show has been a blessing to you guys. Like, I don't take it for granted. And and I love I love to hear from you guys. I whenever you guys write in to me and ask me questions about previous shows or suggest uh, future segments and, and future shows, like I really take that into consideration. And and and, and I don't ever want to just throw something together. Like I don't want to just throw something together to be throwing it together. There's a lot of podcasts out here. There's a lot of different personalities out here. And I'm not one of those personalities. I'm not just putting content together for the sake of attention. Like attention doesn't mean anything to me. Like what I really desire is impact. I want to encourage people for the glory of God. I want to encourage and challenge you. And, and just to be able to hear the feedback from you guys and, and just the prayer request that you're submitting, it, it just lets me know that, that I'm going in the right direction. And I really appreciate that. So listen, if you've, if you've been rocking with the Path of Revelation show, Make sure you tell somebody about this show. Make sure you share it with your neighbor, share it with your coworkers, share it with your cousins, share it with your brothers and your sisters, share it with your parents. Listen, like this, we, we have all types of people from all types of backgrounds that listens to the Path of Revelation show, young, old, middle age, it doesn't matter. And, 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 and that's, that's what I really love about this show. Um, I didn't know that, I did not know that um, this show would have such a diverse listening, um, uh, diverse listeners, but it blesses my heart because I know that's what heaven is going to be like. <laughs> I know that's what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be black, white, yellow, red. We're all going to be worshiping the King of Kings together. And so make sure you share this show with somebody, tell somebody about it. Um, also, Path of Revelation, we will be in Tupelo, Mississippi, June 20th. We'll be in concert along with J. Will Music, C. Micah, Cam, and Flame. It's going down at the Urban Family Talk Marriage and Family Conference. Listen, last year was crazy. I told you guys about it once, but but I know for the first year, for last year to be the first year and how well it went, like I'm expecting this year to be crazy. And I'm not just talking about the concert. On the 20th, you know, because I believe it's three days. I believe it's uh, the 20th through the 22nd. Man, you guys want to, you have to be there if you're in the Tupelo area. If you, I would even encourage you to catch a flight. There was a lot of people catching flights coming in to to, uh, the conference that left blessed and elated. And so you most definitely want to be there. Make sure you go to urbanfamilytalk.com for more details and information. You will not be disappointed. But listen, listen, I have a great show ahead for you guys. I'm ready to just hop into it. Um, Again, share the show with somebody. I'm just going to hop right into the first topic. You know, this is something that, um, you know, I've been thinking about lately. And so this should be be a lot of fun. Let's hop into it. Yo, what's the difference between a fire hose 
in a in a garden hose. Like I, I begin to think about this because my dad and just to kind of give you guys some some backstory on where this analogy came from. My dad retired from the Detroit Fire Department as a chief. Um, he served 37 years in the fire department. And I've heard tremendous amounts of stories of different fires, you know, just stories of death and, and, and houses catching on fire from candles to cigarette, people falling asleep with cigarettes and, and things of that nature. But what really got me to thinking about this particular analogy is I remember uh, one time, one particular time, my dad was at work. And for you guys who have firefighters in your family or, you know, you know this, but firefighters work 24 hours a day. So like my dad, when he went to work, he didn't go work an eight-hour, 12-hour shift like many people do. When he went to work, he was there for 24 hours. So he would go in the morning time, uh, and we wouldn't see him until the next morning. And so this one particular day that my dad went to work, he was at work, and my mom, me and my siblings, we were out with my mother um, we were just in the city. I don't, I don't even remember what we were doing. And we ended up running into a house fire that my dad was at. His his firehouse responded to this particular fire. And we was like, hey, dad might be there. You know, because this is like we knew which fire firehouse my dad would be working at. And so we knew if we were in a certain neighborhood that if we saw a fire truck or or a particular fire, we knew that my dad would be there. And so it was like, you know what? My mom was like, dad might be there. And so we actually pulled up to the fire, got out of the car. And, um, we walked to across, we were across the street from the fire and Lord behold, my dad was his, his firehouse was the responding firehouse. But I remember how hot it was as we stood across the street from the fire and like we were we were we weren't just on the sidewalk across the street from the fire but we were it was like a vacant like lot or or um field and we we were standing so far back because the intensity of the fire the house was consumed with flames like this house was lit you know what I'm saying? And so we, we had to stand really far back because the fire was so hot. Yet I saw, I remember seeing all the firefighters in their gear and their, you know, if they didn't have their special coats and pants and things of that nature, I can imagine that their skin would have literally begun to melt. But because it was that hot. But I remember watching the fire firefighters and my dad began to put the fire out. And one thing that stuck out to me was the intensity of the fire hose. And, and, and so that's kind of where, where I got this particular analogy um, that I'm about to share with you guys from share with you guys is that what is the difference between a fire hose and a garden hose because they're both using water and the biggest difference is the pressure now if the firefighters would have tried to or someone would have tried to put that fire out with a garden hose nothing would have happened because the intensity and the pressure of the water would not have been enough and so it took a special type of water hose, a fire hose, to put that fire out because it has the right intensity and right pressure to put out the problem. And so I began to think about this, how many, many of us as Christians, we think that we're good enough just because we have a hose. We think we're, we, we think that we're, we're, well off enough because we have water when in reality 
we don't have enough pressure. And what 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 am I? What is the analogy that I'm trying to get at? The 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 water holes or the fire holes represents God's word in our lives. And some of us are content and satisfied with a garden hose, but the problems and the demons and the, the circumstances that we're facing in our lives are actually this burning house. And the intensity that we are uh, um, approaching the word with is not enough for what is happening in our lives. And so we need the fire hose. Like we need to, many of us need to step it up in our prayer life. Many of us need to step it up in our word life. We're not, we're not spending enough time with God. We're not really searching through the scriptures like we should. And, and we're content with the garden hose while things are set on fire in our lives. And so I just begin to think about this because we're, we're in a day and age where we can't we can't be comfortable. We can't be complacent with with the things of God because there are so many snares and so many traps and and so many Christians who have compromised who who profess to be Christians. Like okay, I said something on Facebook recently. I said, "Don't confuse being churchy with being spiritual." Some of the most Carnal, and, and, and this is coming from someone who's been in church their entire life. And this is not me saying that I'm better than anybody or anything like that, because I've, you know, I've been a hypocrite. I've been, I'm not perfect, but some of the most churchy people are the most carnal people. I know there, the, these are, there are people who will shout around the church who, who will be in church every Sunday. They sing in the choir. They're on the usher board. They, 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 they serve in church. And, and they're the most churchified individuals. I don't know if that's even a word. But they're, they're, they're churchy. But they, they're not spiritual. They, 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 they don't pray. They don't have a word life. They don't, they don't, Stu- they 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 hate to study God's word, and 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 a lot of uh, what I'm learning is a lot of that you can be churchy and not spiritual. Like we confuse we confuse the two because a lot of times the word of God isn't our gauge for spirituality. Our gauge for spirituality is how people dress. Um, our gauge for spirituality is how people talk. Our gauge for spirituality is how people dance or or speak in tongues. You you know that you you have you have professing Christians who who will who will supposedly speak in tongues, but they don't have the fruit of the spirit evident in their life. You have you have professing Christians who will shout around the church, but they don't have the fruit of the spirit in their evident in their life or visible in their life. Or is non-existent in their life. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And 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 what the garden holes represents is getting a word on Sunday, or depending on pastor's word on Sunday, or depending on on Tuesday night Bible study word. But I'm not studying to show myself approved. And so I have a form of godliness, but I'm denying the power thereof. I'm churchy. You're churchy, but you can't even stand God's word when somebody actually begins to speak truth and and, and, and call you to repentance or call us to repentance. We can't stand it because we think our our churchiness makes us right with God. We think our attendance gives us a passing grade when when in natural school just showing up to school doesn't guarantee you're going to pass but we think that's the case with God like you can't go to school and be like hey I showed up where's my A but we think that that applies with God like yo God I'm here God I'm shouting give me 
give me a great, give me an A on my final. And we're going through the motions and we're equating out, outward expression. We're equating outward expression with spirituality when we lack depth on the inside, where we don't have anything on the inside. And so, man, I, I don't, I want to encourage you to, to be the fire hose. <laughs> don't be the water hose. We don't, we don't, we're not trying to water our grass. We're trying to put fire out, believer. Be the fire hose. You know, we don't have to bend and, and, and go with whatever is popular as Christians. You know, I've been studying um, the book of Jeremiah lately. So I've been really studying the book of Jeremiah lately and just making a commitment to myself to finish finish the, the book of Jeremiah. It's always been a book that I've read, hopped in and out of, you know, but um, I really f have been feeling a burden to, to finish the book of Jeremiah. And so I've been really, really reading and studying and meditating in, in the word in, in the book of Jeremiah a lot lately. And the more I read the book of Jeremiah, the more I, I realize and understand the importance of us as believers understanding the climate um, or understanding the times that we're in as believers and understand. And when I say understanding the times that we're in, understanding God's heart and thoughts concerning the times that we're in, because me, there's there's many professing Christians but many professing Christians who are conforming to the world, who are conforming to the ways of, of the world. Um, there are many who profess to be Christians who do not have the fruit of a Christian in their life or in their worldview. And so I'm understanding the more I read Jeremiah, I'm understanding the importance of us as believers um, I'm understanding the importance of us valuing God's word above what's popular because what's popular is usually what's wrong. What's popular is usually in rebellion towards the God that we serve. And so I'm reminded of Romans chapter 12 where, where Paul says, uh, be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind um, and present your body a living sacrifice. And it goes on to, to surrendering to God, surrendering our life, surrendering our body as a sacrifice unto God. And so I'm reminded of the importance of us as believers, understanding the time, but understanding that we can't be conformed to the time. And this is this is so important because the Bible lets us know that the world is a system and a mindset that is anti-God. It is anti-Christ. The Bible lets us know that Satan is the God, lowercase God, the God of this world. And so Satan is behind the scenes pulling the heartstrings of this world. This is why we, we live in a world where homosexuality is celebrated. We, we celebrate violence and sex and idolatry in, in almost everything that we do. We can't, we can't sell ice cream or tires without selling sex. <laughs> I'm just using examples now. But we, the Bible lets us know that Satan is the God of this world. First John, I believe, chapter one, verse 15 lets us know to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. And so the world, we as Christians have to understand that the world 
represents an ideology and a mentality that is anti-God. And so as I read through Jeremiah, he has the burden of the remnant. And when I say remnant, I believe that there are believers. And, and many of you who listen to this show, I believe that God has led many of you guys to listen to the Path of Revelation show. Because I understand my calling. I understand a big part of my calling is to encourage and, 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 and inspire a remnant of believers who will not bow to the God of this world. A remnant of believers who will not bow to this world, but will stand boldly and proclaim Jesus Christ. And so. There is a remnant, but the world represents a system that is anti-God. And we see, and I'm going somewhere with this. Just follow me. We see in the beginning the serpent in the Garden of Eden, and he, he, he tempts Eve. The Bible, the Bible does not let us know. The Bible lets us know that Eve was deceived. It never says Adam was deceived. The Bible says that Eve was deceived. He tempts her with the forbidden fruit. She eats of it. And then the Bible lets us know that she gave, she gave to her husband, Adam. And instead of Adam standing up on the word of the Lord that came to him, instead of him standing on God's commandments, Adam takes and eats of the fruit. He sins against God, and the Bible lets us know that sin enters into the world. And the curse of death comes into the world. And so that's why we die. That's why we see destruction. That's why we see decay. That's why we see this world is full of evil. It is because of sin. It is because of it is what has caused or led to a world, a worldly mindset. We as humans, we gravitate to sin. We gravitate to temptation. And so the Bible is constantly encouraging us to not conform to the world. And what I see in Jeremiah as I read through Jeremiah He's he's warning. He what's interesting about Jeremiah is that Jeremiah wasn't just a prophet to Israel, but he was a prophet to the nations. He was a prophet to the nations. And and as I read through Jeremiah, I see how burdened he is with the word of the Lord. He's burdened with the word of the Lord and and he's grieved by the false prophets in Israel who are who who are who are not calling the people to repentance. But they're just prophesying good things They're even though the children of Israel are 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 turning to false gods and the children of Israel are in sin and they're they're committing all types of evil acts. And they're and instead of them being the light to the nations, they are conforming to the nations. Much like. Many of our churches today. Much like. Many of the churches here in America. And so Jeremiah has a prophetic burden where, where, where he's calling the children of Israel to repentance and warning them and saying, hey, God is going to judge your sin. And I'm right. You know, I've been really hopping through Jeremiah 25 through 28. And something interesting that I read in Jeremiah 25 is Jeremiah, he says, for 23 years, 23 years, and I'm speaking in layman's term, the Lord has has burdened him and have been giving him the same word. He's been giving him the same word. Matter of fact, I'm gonna, just going to read it so I, so I can kind of give you guys some context. So for 23 years, could you imagine God giving you the same word, God giving you the same sermon? 
Like, God, you know, give me a fresh word. And it's the same word. What I've learned is when you have a prophetic burden, you don't speak what people want you to speak. You speak what God is saying. Even even when people are getting tired of you. (laughs) You speak what the Lord is saying. And so I'm going to Jeremiah 25 in Jeremiah 25. And I'm reading. Okay. He Jeremiah and I'm in Jeremiah 25. I'm just going to read starting at verse three. It says from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even unto this day, that is the three and 20th. The three and twentieth or the twenty third year, the word of the Lord hath come unto me and I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but you have not listened. Man, I got to read this in the ESV version. I love I love I love studying in the King James, but I think my my new favorite version of the uh, version is the ESV He says, and and I'm going to read the ESV version, Jeremiah 25, verse 3. It says, for 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to to you, but you have not listened. So so what, what was the word of the Lord? That 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 has been come that had been coming to Jeremiah for 23 years. Basically, and I'm speaking in layman's term, the word was repent. He was calling Israel out of their idolatry. He was calling Israel to forsake their evil ways, to not worship the false gods. And here's and and, and here's what what happened. What what happened was. In in verse um, when you read in, in chapter 25 and read on, God says he's going to judge Israel with the rest of the nations of the earth. And so when Israel was called to be set apart and God was going to judge all the other nations because Israel has conformed to the other nations, now the judgment that was meant for the other nations is going to hit Israel now. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said that that they would serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Who is the king of Babylon? King Nebuchadnezzar. So God had, and, and now here's the, here's the interesting part about it. King Nebuchadnezzar was an enemy of God. He wasn't a righteous king, but yet God used King Nebuchadnezzar to judge the world. And, and the Bible lets us know at the end of the 70 years that God was going to judge him as well. And so the prophecy was, and I'm speaking in layman's terms and just kind of, you know, you, you have to read through Jeremiah to get get all the scriptural details. But basically, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying that Israel is going to serve serve King Nebuchadnezzar as slaves and servants with the rest of the nations for 70 years. And after 70 years, God was going to bring Israel out. And so this was the word of the Lord. Jeremiah then spoke to the other nations and says, hey, you you surrender and submit yourselves to the king to King Nebuchadnezzar as your judgment. Because the God of Israel is the true and living God. Now, this is what he's saying to other nations who do not serve Jehovah. Who do not serve the I am. But nevertheless, God is using Jeremiah to prophesy and warn not just Israel, but the nations. And the Bible lets us know um, that the prophets... Jeremiah warned the nations 
the other nations outside of Israel and said, hey, don't listen to your prophets. Don't listen to your sorcerers. Don't listen to your fortune tellers. They're prophesying wrong. They're telling lies. And then he turned to the children of Israel, the king, the uh, king of Judah, and says, hey, do not listen to your prophets. Now he's talking to Israel. Don't listen to your pro to the prophets when they come and say these things will not happen. So in other words, there were many false prophets. And I'm speaking now. Now, I know there's debates that Israel isn't the church. And I agree with that. But for the sake of understanding the times that we're in. Just like there are false prophets within the church today and false prophets outside of the church today. There were false prophets outside of Israel and there were false prophets within Israel. And they would come and prophesy and say, hey, God is they would they would prophesy falsely and say, hey, God is not going to allow us to suffer that long. And they would give counter words to the word that that God had spoken through Jeremiah. And so in um, Jeremiah 28, the prophet Hananiah comes and he prophesies. And, 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 and many of us and I'm saying all of this because many of us. Feel like Jeremiah. We've been burdened. With calling. People to repentance, we've been burdened with calling the church to repentance. And sometimes it seems like no one's listening. But the but the word and the burden that God has put on you is undeniable. The grieving of the Holy Spirit is undeniable. And and the Lord and the spirit of the Lord just keeps crying out, call call people to repentance. The Holy Spirit is pointing out, hey, the church is distracted. Tell them to repent and you go repent, repent, church, man, God, I've been saying repent for 10 years now. Man, I've been saying the same thing for years. And then here comes prophet. Um, Hananiah comes on the scene and he says. He says that after two years, God is going to bring you out, children of Israel. And Jeremiah, it's almost like. In, in Jeremiah 28, you can see Jeremiah break down and be like, hey, that sounds good. Amen. Maybe God changed his mind. And Hananiah, Hananiah, Jeremiah had this wooden yoke on his neck. For you guys who don't really understand what a yoke is, we know that the Bible says the anointing will destroy the yoke. Right. Well. We know, spiritually speaking, a yoke represents bondage. It represents um, captivity. Um, but a literal yoke was basically a rope that would be tied around, say, a, a cow or a donkey. And a weight would be on this, on this string or rope or chain. And the purpose of the yoke was to um, hold hold the cow or the donkey um, down so they, it would keep their neck down uh, so you can control them. And so a yoke represents control or bondage. And so the prophet Jeremiah had a wooden yoke around his neck to symbolize the yoke that was coming on the nations and on Israel. And prophet, the prophet Hananiah, who who can what's interesting, the Bible never calls uh, a lot of these prophets, false prophets. It never calls prophet Hananiah a false prophet, even though he prophesies falsely. Even though many of them prophesied falsely, it never calls him a false prophet. But nevertheless, so Jeremiah has this wooden yoke on his neck. And as as prophet Hananiah is prophesying and and and, children, and the children of Israel is just eating it up and even and he must have been convincing because even Jeremiah's after even Jeremiah said, amen, after he was done prophesying and he breaks the wooden yoke off of Jeremiah's neck. He breaks the wooden yoke off of Jeremiah's neck. 
And Jeremiah goes away. He leaves, he, and I'm speaking, I'm just speaking uh, metaphorically. Jeremiah leaves the church service. He's like, man, man, that was a good word. And as Jeremiah leaves and goes to where he goes, the spirit of the Lord hits Jeremiah and says, Hananiah prophesied falsely. Go back and tell him that he prophesied falsely and that he's going to die because of it. And that the yoke, the wooden yoke that he broke off of your neck is now a steel yoke, is now an iron yoke. So in other words, because the children of Israel are eating up these false prophecies, he's actually made it worse for them. Man, listen, things get worse. And this confirms what, man, and I'm, I wasn't even planning to go this way, but this confirms what I talked about. I believe it was either in episode 21 or 20, or even the last episode. It was probably episode 21, though, where I talked about how false teachers and false prophets help fuel the persecution and tribulation against the church. That's Acts 20 um, or 1 Peter, I believe, chapter 2, verse 1 through 2, where it talks about how Peter is warning the church and talking about how false prophets have, will arise outside of the church as well as inside of the church. And because of them, the way of truth shall be blasphemed. See, false prophets, when we follow false prophets, things don't get better, they get worse. Because when we follow false prophets or false prophecies, we go against God's word. Because they're prophesying what people want to hear. They're prophesying according to people's flesh and not according to the spirit God. And so Jeremiah goes to Hananiah and says, because you prophesied falsely, you're going to die. And the wooden yoke that you removed from my neck is now a steel yoke. Man. And the Bible lets us know that Hananiah ends up dying because of he because he prophesied falsely. He falls dead, I believe, like a day later or a year later. I'm checking the scriptures just so I can give you an accurate, accurate account. Basically, Jeremiah 28. Jeremiah 28, and I'm going to just read this. Jeremiah 28, starting at verse 14. I'm going to start. Actually, I'm going to start at verse 13. So this is the whole. This is God speaking to Jeremiah, telling him to go to Hananiah. Verse 13 says, go tell Hananiah, thus says the Lord. You have broken wooden bars. But you have made in their place bars of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put upon the neck of. Of all these nations, an iron yoke to serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. For I have given to him even the beasts of the field. And Jeremiah, the prophet, said to the prophet Hananiah, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. And you have made this people trust in a lie. So in other words, Hananiah comes in and he's not just prophesying to the children of Israel, but he's prophesying to all of the nations. So as Jeremiah is prophesying God's judgment against all, na all the nations of the earth and Israel, Hananiah comes in and tries to sit in the seat of Jeremiah and he begins to give a false prophecy. He says, you have made this people trust in a lie. Verse 16, therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. In that same year, the seventh month, 
the prophet Hananiah died. So seven months later, basically he died. And so this is why we as believers have to walk according to the word of God. Many of us, what am I saying? And I know that I'm going to connect this with the, the fire hose versus the garden hose. Believers, we have to attack the word of God with the intensity of a fire hose. We have to be a fire hose in the spirit. We have to shake things up that aren't like God. We have to we we have to have our hearts set on pleasing God above pleasing men. We have to have our hearts set on. I'm going to stand with God. Even when the majority is standing against me. Because if God be for me, who can be against me? Even if, even if I die, Jeremiah uh, wrote, wrote in uh, Jeremiah 26, as he begins to prophesy, they begin to want to kill him. And he says, listen, do what you will, do what you may, but I'm not going to be against God. I would rather you guys be my enemy than God be my enemy. <laughs> and that has to be our prayer. That has to be our desire. Man, I don't care. Like, if, if, if the world stands against me, at least, as long as God is for me, as long as I'm in God, it doesn't matter who stands against me. And so many of us are like Jeremiah, where we're burdened, we're burdened, and there's times where we feel like giving up. There's times when we when we feel like Elijah one day. One day we, we, we're facing, we're standing against uh, the prophets of Baal and we sl we're slaying things in the spirit. We're slaying the enemy. And then the next day we're depressed like, man, I feel like I'm the only one. Are there any more? And the spirit of the Lord says there's 7,000 who have not bowed. A knee to bell. Glory to God. There are 7,000 who have not bowed a knee to bell. And so many of us are like Elijah. Many of us are like Jeremiah. And my word of encouragement to you is keep going. God is looking to use our stance to bring forth change in the world. God is looking for us to stand for righteousness for his name's sake. Because there are many false prophets in the land. There are many, as I said on the last episode, there, there are many who are um, preaching what they want using the Bible. And there is a difference between preaching the word and preaching what you want using and manipulating the word. So be instant in and out of season. Preach the word in and out of season. I'm reminded of the scripture in Timothy. And I'm just going to read it for you. Because here's the thing. Hardness is a part of the process. Second Timothy chapter two, verse three through five says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully? In other words, we can't cheat, the, we can't cheat on the test. We have to go through the process. Prophet Hananiah said two years, but yet the word of the Lord that came through Jeremiah said 70 years. See, two years sounds a lot better than 70 years. 
And so the people gravitated to the two-year prophecy. Oh, man, we're only going to have to serve King Nebuchadnezzar for two years. That sounds a lot better than 70 years. Hey, we're going with Prophet Hananiah. But the word of the Lord was 70 years. See, a lot of times we we have to learn how to embrace our trial. Some of us are so consumed with asking God to bring us out that we're not even going through the right way. Some of us are so consumed with God, take me out of this, that we're not even suffering the right way. We're not even learning what we need to learn from the test. And so we wonder why things are a cycle of repeating over and over again. It's because we're not we're not learning what we're supposed to be learning in the midst of the hardness. And Timothy says, no man that wharf entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him. Who chose him to be a soldier, it says endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure means to go through the right way. It doesn't say, hey, just barely scrape through and make it barely make it through. It says endure hardness. Glory in your infirmities. Praise God for the trial and say, God, show me what I need to learn in the midst of this hardness. So I can please you help me to I don't want to just be enrolled in classes. Some of us are just enrolled in classes and we were sitting there looking at the board and, and listening to the teacher and, and like, man, this is hard. And we ain't learning nothing. We're not applying ourselves. We're not studying to show ourselves approved. We're not getting with tutors. And so we're repeating the cycle. But we have to go through it. We have to, a lot of these false prophets today, and now I'm talking about the false prophets of today. They're always telling us how God is about to bring us out. God is about to bring you out. When in reality, God, God is, for many of us, God is using the enemy just like he was using King Nebuchadnezzar. He's using the enemy to work righteousness in us. But we're so... We're so consumed with getting out that we're not learning the lesson that we need to learn. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6, Paul writes and says, Lest I should be exalted, lest I should be exalted above a measure, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, the messenger of Satan. Sent to buffet me, or in other words, sent to distract me. Now, what's interesting about this is he lets us know that the thorn is from Satan. We know we know that King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. In other words, he his he was uh, working for Satan, or he was he wasn't a believer. But in 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 the scriptures. And right before he lets us know that the thorn was sent from Satan, he lets us know that God had a purpose for the thorn, though. Hey, God is using this thorn to humble me, lest I should be exalted above measure, lest I should be full of myself. God is using this to keep me low and submit it to him. And I would submit to you that God is using your hardship. God is using your trials. He's using the hardness of the trial to keep you at his feet. And we can either be distracted or strengthened. Because he gives grace to the humble, but he resisteth the proud. And so how we view our trial determines what God forms in us. Or determines uh, whether we are conformed to Christ or we're conformed more into our own image. And so we have to choose Christ. We have to we have to change how we look at our heart at the hardness in our lives. We have to stop gravitating to teaching that. That tickles our ears. 
We have to stop gravitating to teaching that speaks everything we want to hear and rarely speaks what we need to hear. And so I'm talking to the remnant now. Be the Jeremiah's, be the Elijah that God is calling you to be. While everybody has a word on social media, everybody's trying to be a motivational guru or everybody's speaking, oh, two years. If God is saying 70, you say 70. Speak what the Lord is saying. Speak what thus saith the Lord. Because our reward comes from him, not men. We can't be entangled with the affairs of this life. We can't be entangled with the the accolades of this life. We can't be entangled with what the world is doing. We can't covet their success. We can't covet their awards. We can't covet their houses. We can't covet, covet their riches. Because we will be distracted from our assignment. And we can't be like the children of Israel. We can't. Lord, conform, Lord, conform in us the mind of Christ. And I'm going to leave you with this. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, which was also in Christ Jesus. And Christ made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he was made in the likeness of men and he humbled himself to the death of the cross. Believer, pick up your cross and follow him daily. Make sure you're dying daily. And you will see a true manifestation of God's power in your life. I believe it. But listen, thanks for tuning in to the Path of Revelation show. Make sure you guys go to pathofrevelationnow.com to check out our, our music, music videos, blogs, merch, all of that good stuff. But make sure you leave your prayer requests. If you have any suggestions for future shows or segments, you can feel free to leave it there as well. I love to hear from you guys. I take pride in um, being able to answer different questions and tackle different topics on this show. Listen, there's much more on the way. But listen, you've been tuned in to the Path of Revelation show. And this is where the culture meets scripture. <laughs>